0: Let's um, talk a little bit about being wounded and weary. I, I think we all have been there, and we may be there, going through our personal struggles with uh, discouragement. And uh, what do we do when we get discouraged, when, when things happen to us that really take the steam out of us? And uh, we're trying to serve Jesus the best we can, and yet things keep happening to just kind of knock the props out from under us. Um, how do we deal with that? Well, we're not the first per- people to ever have to deal with that, and that's the first thing I want you to keep in mind, and, and we want to talk about some things that we can do that will help us when we're discouraged, when we feel defeated, when we feel wounded, um, and hopefully some things will help and maybe resonate if, if you're dealing with some of these things tonight. Uh, in First Kings chapter 19... Elijah the prophet, he's been run all over the place by King Ahab. He's had a rather hard life because of the abuse that he suffered. And all he's done is preached the truth. He's he's preached the message of God. He's been called a troublemaker in chapter 18. And now he's all alone. And he just, well, I mean, he prays to God and says, Just please, let, let me die. Just Just take me out of this world. He says, it is enough. And he asks, it's like saying to God, I've had enough. Will you please just let me go? I've never been that discouraged before where I actually asked God to take my life. But that's where Elijah was. And then you can read in Psalm 42, verses 5 through 6, where David says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why... Are you disquieted within me? Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Where he says, Lord, I don't know why, but I, I'm struggling. My soul is cast down. Why, Lord, why? And then you have passages such as Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 18, where Jeremiah says, man... I, I'm trying to do what you want me to do. I'm speaking the things you want me to speak. And I am held in derision every day for it. I'm so tired of it. People mock me and scoff at me and treat me as though I'm irrelevant and I'm preaching your word. I'm sick and tired of it. I quit. Prophet quits because he gets discouraged. He couldn't stay in that state but that was his intention and then you read job chapter 3 and if you want to read a passage by a man who was absolutely defeated you read job 3 and imagine why i mean it's no surprise can you imagine having the things happen to you that happened to job in chapter 1 you lose all that and and job by the time he gets to chapter 3 he just says why do i have to be born It'd be better not to have ever lived than to have to go through what I've gone through. Why couldn't I? And he just longs to have been a stillborn baby. Have you ever been that down, that wounded, that defeated? Maybe you have. Maybe you've been to that place where you say, God, just take me. I'm, I'm ready to go. Or I wish I would not never been born knowing that I had to go through this or endure it. Endure this. So here's the point tonight. Discouragement is nothing new. It's happened to good men and women of God in times past. It's it's not just the fringe. It's not just people who don't really have their act together. It happens to good people, faithful people. But what are we to do? Well, I'll tell you, in Galatians 6 and verse 9, the Bible warns, Do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season you'll reap if you do not faint. There, there is the threat of quitting. Of becoming so discouraged, so disheartened, that you just you give up and, and you quit. Paul says, don't let that happen to you. You hang in there, don't grow weary, and in due time, you'll be glad you didn't. Well... What gets me through till that due time? Let me give you some practical suggestions for you tonight. Number one, focus your eyes on heaven. Usually when we get the most discouraged, it's when we're not really thinking a whole lot about heaven. We're not really thinking about what we have and, and what is promised to us. If we think about heaven, how can we be too terribly discouraged. I know things, bad things, happen to us in life, things that break our heart, things that rock our world. But in view of heaven, as bad as it can be, it's manageable. We can deal with it because heaven will be worth it all. We sing a song, heaven will surely be worth it all. And it is. It is. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2 says vanity of vanities, all is vanity, Say, uh, says the preacher. If this were all there were to this world, just the physical, the natural, man, what, what a place. What a raw deal so many people get. Very few just kind of go through life gracefully and, and don't have problems. Most of us have pretty big bumps along the way. If this was it, wow. We are of most men, all men most pitiable. But there's more. There's heaven. And when I'm down, if what helps me to deal with those down times is to remember who I belong to and where my citizenship is. Colossians 3 and verse 2 says, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. When I think about that destination, um, the journey becomes doable. Uh, Have you ever, do you remember taking your children on trips and and that backseat question that you got so often, if it's a long trip, are we there yet? How much longer? You know, for, for a child, those, those trips seem so long and, and, and it just seems like it's never going to end. But when you finally arrive, boy, the, the destination makes the journey worthwhile. And when we get to hear God someday say, well done. Man, I am so proud of you. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. You've served me. I'm going to reward you for the way you've lived your life. I'm proud of you. Whatever you go through in life, in view of that, it's worth it. I want to be able to go through life just gracefully. You know, light. You know, my step is light. I wish that were the way it would always be, but if it's not, if if I'm driven to my knees and I'm forced to crawl, it's worth crawling. Just don't quit. I had a friend, have a friend, his name is Jack. I may have told you about Jack before, I don't remember, but Jack actually lived in the very first place we moved when we got out of school his last name happened to be Higginbotham too, um, which is we were no relation, but that was his name. Jack was born with cerebral palsy. Um, he said when he was growing up, he fell a lot. All the kids in school made fun of him. If you talk to Jack for him to say hi, how are you doing today? I hope you've had a good day. That might take two minutes because he stuttered so much and and it was so difficult for him to get those words out you had to be very patient uh, to listen to him to to engage him in conversation when jack was born with cerebral palsy his he had a younger brother who was born a couple of years after him and he was fine up until the age of about 9 months and he had a grand mal seizure and never made an acknowledgement of another human being for the next 20 two or three years, his mother sat by his bedside 24 hours a day, tending to him, caring for him, doing everything to keep him just simply alive. Well, he died, and six months after his death, his mother was diagnosed with cancer, and she died. And in the meantime, the father has left the scene and divorced, and so Jack is all alone. Jack wanted to preach a sermon. It's an impossibility. Jack could never speak a sermon. But what he did do is he said, here's what I would like said if I could preach a sermon. And he shared his thoughts, and a man preached his sermon for him. And one of the things that Jack said, and this has been almost 30 years ago now, but one of the things that Jack said that will stick with me, is he said, you know what? I've had a hard life. What happened to my mother, my brother, my dad, me? I've been made fun of all my life. I fall down constantly. I hurt myself. People laugh at me behind my back, think I can't hear, and I I hear it. He said, I just long for the day when I can run, when I can speak so that people can hear me and understand me. I long for the day when I don't fall down anymore. I long for the day when I can see my mother again. When I can go to heaven. There's a man who has every reason to have given up on life. But he had hope. Because his eyes weren't fixed here. They were fixed on heaven. And heaven... Will help you deal with whatever trouble, whatever wounds you may have in your life. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10. Well, there are a number of passages go on down through verse 13. Uh, Abraham looked for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. How did Abraham offer his son Isaac? Are you kidding me? Who who could do that? How did he do it? Well, he did it because he looked for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Heaven was on his mind. And as he goes on down further in that chapter, he talks about other people who'd looked for the promises of that heavenly city. They had a chance to go back, but they endured the hardship because they wanted to go to heaven. That's what we do when we're wounded. We get our eyes off of here and start lifting our eyes to heaven. And that'll help us. Here's a second thing that we can do, and that's counter our blessings. Don't allow a few negative things to monopolize your attention. And I know that's hard, that's easier said than done, because when something bad is going on in our life, man, all the attention goes to it. We, we're focused on it, we're drawn to it. But I, I'm telling you, don't let that skew reality. Because in reality, you are blessed. As a child of God, you are blessed abundantly. God has given you life and an abundant life to boot. What, if you were to make your list, you know, here are the things. What's really bugging you in life? What is really gotten you down? Make your list. Make it as exhaustive as you can. And when you get done, if you have a page worth or two pages worth, Can I ask you to make another list? In this list, I want you to write down the things for which you have to be thankful. You'll soon see that not only in terms of quality, but also quantity, your blessings far outweigh your troubles. We need to keep perspective. Don't get lost in the negative. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We have everything we need. God has given us blessings that will last us, not just this lifetime, but throughout all eternity. So what's your problem? That's bad. I grant it. That's bad. But how long is it going to last? Now, let me tell you what your blessings are. And let me tell you how long they're going to last. You see perspective. That'll help. Here's a third thing. We need to look outward rather than inward. Get outside of yourself. Now, I do know that I've shared this before in in some form or fashion. But there was a lady that I went to visit one time. And I dreaded the visit because she was... She was a complainer, um, always a complainer. In fact, when I knocked on her door, she said, well, it's about time you get here. I thought you forgot where I lived. You know, it's going to be one of those visits. So before I left, I told my wife, I said, whenever she starts, I'm going to shift focus about somebody else and say, well, at least, you know, you're not as bad as so-and-so. And so so as soon as I got there, boy, she started on her back. And I said, well, aren't you thankful that your back 's not as bad as brother so and so he just had that surgery on his back she didn 't want to talk about brother so and so 's back surgery she wanted' to talk about her back, but we moved from her back to her knee and her knee and so I said so and so had knee replacements aren 't you glad yours isn 't that bad she didn 't want to talk about the guy that had knee replacement she wanted to talk about her knee. We went from head. To toe just moved around. I chased her the whole time about all her ails, and, and sh- well, she won. I finally gave up. She she outdid me, but I'm telling you, most miserable woman you'll ever meet. You know why? Because she's not living the way God told her to. You see, we come with operating instructions. God created us, He has an owner's manual, the Bible, and it says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. Acts 20, verse 35. And here's a woman who's trying to live out of harmony with that passage, and she's finding out it doesn't work so well. She's trying to just look at herself. I don't care about other people. Look at me, look at me, serve me. And she was miserable. When you find yourself down and out, look to other people, get outside of yourself, get involved in the life of someone else. And Kim and I have talked reflectively through the years about sometimes, you know, you have your high moments and your low moments and your peaks and your valleys. And it seems like that God in his providence has crossed our paths with someone when we've been in those valleys they kind of just wake us up, shake us back, and we say we don't we don't have it bad. It could be so much worse. We ought to give thanks, and that's the truth. the The greatest way to lift your burden off your back is to pick up somebody else's load. It's a paradox, but it's true. You want your load to be lightened? Pick someone else's up and help them carry it. It'll lighten your load. Get outside of yourself. That's the way God made you. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Well, you go back to verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God made us to do good works. If you're discouraged, wounded, down and out. Start doing good. Get outside of yourself. Here is a fourth thing. Remember that God demands faithfulness and not success. I think that's an important point. Um, <clears throat> in Second Corinthians chapter or First Corinthians chapter four and verse two, it is required in stewards that they be found what successful? No, that they be found faithful. Noah was a faithful proclaimer of the, uh, of the uh, word of God. Noah was a faithful child of God. Was he successful? Not from a worldly standpoint. Uh, he didn't have a single convert. Just had his family. But would anybody throw off on Noah? What about those Old Testament prophets who who cried long and loud saying, Repent! Judgment is coming if we don't repent. And the people didn't repent. Failures. They were faithful. But to a large part, they weren't successful as far as responses are concerned. Look at Jesus. Was Jesus faithful to the mission of God when He came to earth and did the things that He did? Well, of course He was. Was He successful in bringing everybody to God? No. But he was faithful. God doesn't demand success. And, and here's where we get ourselves in trouble because you see, my wife, I've been wanting her to obey the gospel and I've been teaching and I've been patient and I've been trying to tell her and, and we'll have Bible studies and she'll, she just, she won't do it and, and I give up. You know, I'm, I'm so frustrated with that and, and so depressed and down. God didn't call you to be successful. You're not a failure to God if you don't have success. Be faithful. My, my children break my heart. I, I, I try to tell them, I've tried to live an example before them. I, I've, I've laid it before them. I've encouraged them to do right, and they do wrong anyway. I'm such a failure. Are you faithful? Because that's all that really matters. Not whether you've been successful or not, but have you been faithful? That's what God requires in us. Man, you can take so much pressure off yourself if you allow yourself to realize that God doesn't say you have to be successful. He says you have to be faithful. Cut yourself some slack. You can't make decisions for other people. And then here's the last thing that I want to share with you tonight. Remember that we know how the story ends. I've read the end of the book, and you have too, and we win. It, it, the, the end of the book, the end of the Bible talks about this great conflict that takes place between the, the church and, and Rome, but it stands and represents the conflict between good and evil. You stand with Jesus, you're gonna win. It doesn't matter who the enemy is, and it really doesn't matter what your interpretation of the book of Revelation is, whether you want to place it with Rome or, or, you know, the Jews or what, whatever. It, it doesn't matter if you're with Jesus, you win. Whatever, whoever the conflict involves, it, you win if you're on His side. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. If you die in the Lord, Revelation 14, <clears throat> in verse 13, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, that they rest from their labors and their works do follow them. I know what's going to happen in the end. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know how I'm going to get to the end. I don't know if I'll ever have to give up my life. I don't know if I'll be able to take my family with me. I don't know if um, I'll be fired. I don't know if, you know, you can go through a thousand, I don't know if, but here's what we can know. If I stay faithful to Jesus, in the end, I will reign with Jesus. Now, what does the world have that can mess up your day with that kind of knowledge? And again, I don't want to minimize your sorrows, your heartaches, the the troubles, the, the wounds that you have. They're real. They hurt. And we need to show compassion to one another as we go through those things. But in perspective, at the end of the day, those wounds are momentary. They're temporal. And what Jesus has for us is eternal, everlasting. So when you've been wounded, when you're down and out, when you're discouraged, when you want to just throw up your hands and say, man, I've had enough of this. I, I-, I quit. Find someone else. I want you to remember these things. I, I believe they can help us to endure, to be faithful. I believe they can help us to do exactly what Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 9. Do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you do not faint. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, do you understand the promises, the blessings that you're missing out on? Whatever good you can get from this world, it will only last you until the day you die. In Jesus, the blessings go forever. If you haven't responded to the invitation of Jesus, if you've never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, why don't you make that decision tonight and and claim those blessings that God says they're yours. It's a free gift. Will you just take it? And if you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, or maybe you're in one of those wounded conditions and you just want your family, your church family to pray for you. Maybe you need strength. We'll be glad to pray for you if you'll come as we stand together and sing. God